Hi, and welcome to the Young Family Small Business Podcast, the show that deep dives into conversations with experts in small business, raising a young family, or are shining examples of mastery in both. My name is Ben Walker, and I'm the founder of Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants, and the host of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants. We've worked with thousands of business owners since we started in 2013, and we're best known for saving our client base a total of $17 million in tax and counting. For every dollar of tax we proactively save a small business, Inspire donates a day worth of access to life-changing food, water, health, or sanitation services to a family in need. If you're interested in speaking with an accountant to see how we could help your business, head to inspire.business forward slash chat. A uh, bit of an interesting story. I met our next podcast guest, Joanna Oki, face-to-face in Singapore. And, and a couple of weeks before that, I'm not sure what event it was, but I think we, we were hosting an event with Paul Dunn, B1G1. And uh, Joanna was there and she, she ended up signing up to B1G1. And, and as I mentioned, like a couple of weeks later, I saw her across the table having dinner and a couple of wines with a few other people at the conference. And there she was. So um, I've, I've known Joanna since, I think that must have been 2018. And yeah, just love her energy um, and her passion for helping fast growing business. So a bit of a formal introduction to Joanna. Uh, she's a commercial lawyer and a deal maker with a passion for business who's worked with hundreds of businesses during her two decades in the industry as they are acquiring, growing and exiting. Joanna is the proud host of uh, The Deal Room, which is Australia's top legal podcast on SME mergers and acquisitions. She's the managing director of Aspect Legal, a commercial legal firm that specializes in helping growing businesses acquire, consolidate for growth by building a fortress around their assets, and eventually exit in a way that draws the optimal value they deserve out of their business. She was a finalist in the Women in Law Awards in 2020 as SME Partner of the Year, uh, she created the pr- proprietary three-step fortify, acquire, exit formula to ensure that commercial clients in the growth phase have strong legal foundations. And uh, Aspect Legal is committed to charitable causes with their primary means being our 100 deals, 100 loans campaign. When they help a client buy or sell a business, they provide a loan for a family in Indonesia to launch a business. Uh, and they've successfully oversaw 75 M&A projects from July 21 onwards uh, and have provided 122 small loans to families in Indonesia. So that's 122 businesses that have been funded by their work there. So awesome stuff, Joanna. I, I really hope that you get something out of Joanna's uh, interview, uh, not only from a business sense, which I think she's got some really cool stuff to share on growing a remote team, um, a remote professional services team. Uh, but also around her family and, and how um, she keeps that relationship strong with her family. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining me today, Joe. I'm really looking forward to interviewing you. I think you've interviewed me twice now. <laughs> yes, the show's on the other foot. In fact, I'm rarely interviewed, so I could do really crap. So apologies in advance, but thanks for having me on your show. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's all good. Again, I've <laughs> Uh, your your energy on our webinars and things we've um we've hosted together is is fantastic. So, <laughs> well, I try not to take over. I'm so used to being the interviewer that you know sometimes I just can't help but I end up step. But anyway, I'm going to step back. I'm going to let you lead the questions, Ben. <laughs> and, uh, thank you. And and I guess the first one we always kick off with is is telling us a bit about your family. Yeah. Um. What an interesting question. I love that. That's a really nice way to start it all off, isn't it? Well. 
Okay, so my family, um, I guess you want the short story, not the long story. I guess I could give you a long story, but my short story (laughs) is um, I've got two kids. I've got a six-year-old and an eight-year-old who I'm currently homeschooling at the moment because we're in lockdown. So there's all sorts of joys that come with that. I have a husband, I have a dog and um, yep. And I live in the Northern beaches of Sydney. So it's a bit of a beautiful, a beautiful family lifestyle, Ben, a beautiful family lifestyle. And you, and you mentioned it just before when we were catching up, but what, what are some of the things you do together as a family to keep that sort of healthy uh, relationship? Yeah, well, look, um, I think it's a challenge as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. You know, I think some people talk about work and they don't really want to do work, but they do it. This entrepreneurial bug we have, I think, means that we love to work and we love to do lots of work. And I think the challenge with a family is like always maintaining that idea of balance, right? Making sure, you know, and and I guess different people have different priorities. For me, family is a really strong priority, but so is work because I love, I really love what I do. So it's this constant balance that I have to keep pulling myself in check and asking myself what's important and am I devoting my time to what I feel ultimately the right priorities, not being pulled along in the priorities of other people or other things or unconscious priorities, right? So what do we do as a family right now? So we're in we're in homeschooling in lockdown, as I said, and we've been here not as long as my poor team in Melbourne. So I definitely can't whinge about it. I've also got a team in the Philippines. So I promise any of you who are listening, I'm not whinging. This is not a whinge. <laughs> we have a lot more time together as a family, and that's a beautiful thing. But homeschooling a kindy child can, you know, and a year three can have its challenges. But it has given us more time together. It's given me more visibility into what the kids do. And so I feel part of their life at, at school a little bit more. And we go, we just came back from a walk along the beach because one of the things, Brett, my husband and I, said to ourselves is, you know, what? what's some of the joy that we can take out of this unusual situation? Well, we're all at home together. Let's block out at least an hour and a half every single day in the middle of the day so we can spend time together as a family going for a walk along the beach, you know, and the kids can have a break from their homeschooling and then they come back refreshed and I come back refreshed and we all get back into it. But, you know, I think that's one of the joys of being able to call some of your own hours. But in fact, I encourage that of all of my team as well, you know, do things a different way so that you can enjoy, you know, you can find that balance. Sorry, that was a really long answer. I can't even remember the question. Sorry about that, Ben. Just step right in if I'm going off tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you've um you've you've definitely given me another question through all uh, <laughs> Did I answer your question? I can't even remember what it was. Sorry. It was just what, what are the rhythms you have as a family to keep that unit happy yeah. and, and tight? And, and look, the rhythms um, right now are different to the rhythms that mm. were in place before COVID. And we had a very different life before COVID. We, um, my husband is in senior management in a bank. Obviously, um, I run a very busy business. And as I said to you before, I love the business. So we, we had au pairs and they looked after the kids um, and we, we didn't really have breakfast or dinner with the kids, but we had really quality weekend time and really quality holiday time. So that was my approach. I'd take days off or I'd 
whatever time we had was super, super high quality. But when COVID hit and our au pairs went back off overseas again, life changed. And I got a taste of what it was like to have every breakfast with the whole family and every dinner with the whole family and every lunch with the whole family. And I'm addicted to that now. And and I feel very grateful that life changed because, you know, I got that insight into extra time. So now it's not just about, and we we still have that, we have dedicated time together in holidays and weekends and those sorts of things. But now we just have a lot more dinner table conversations and, you know, just a lot more time together. And I think that for our family, that's been a really beautiful thing, but it took a massive jolt to get us there. And we, you know, it's not like we lacked family connection because we had those really great times together, but you know, sometimes it takes big things to make you step back and work out what's important, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I I think um, I look back at my life of any massive change I've had, it's always come out of something that's just gone and and just shocked me. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes those shocks are amazing for the depth of insight they bring. Absolutely. And and then um, again, I think as I've been asking people these questions, they tend to do the pre and during COVID. Yep. Uh, <laughs> We're almost post, aren't we? <laughs> oh, no, no, Hopefully. <laughs> you can see most of the rest of the world opening up. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> we're far behind. But how do you, so yeah, it, it sounds like Brett's got a relatively, I'm imagining his job uh, has some stress associated with it. Yeah. Um, it's not stress-free. Yeah. Uh, you, you're running a business, you've got kids. Um, how do you keep that relationship maintained with Brett? <laughs> Yeah, um, I, we make sure we have time together as well. I mean, there's no time together without the children at the moment because we're only in lockdown together. But, you know, that, that's that been its own, you, you know, beautiful thing as I've talked about. But, but, you know, we have very, luckily, we have very similar ideas of what we want to do in terms of holidaying and taking time off and doing things together as a family. And so for us, that tight family unit, is I think the way that we deal with the stresses of our jobs because we are constantly reminded of, you know, the fact that there's something bigger than whatever is going on at work. There's always something bigger and that's us together as a family unit. And I think that's very grounding. I think that's a beautiful thing that we have. I'm very lucky to to have that. Amazing. Uh, I love love having that conversation at the start. It's uh, no, I'm, as I said, like, like you, know, you can clearly see that you you value family so high. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, awesome. All righty. Um, now, in terms of the business side of things, um, could you take us back to 2009 when you started Aspect Legal and and kind of the? Uh, I'd just love to hear what your journey was and what did you consider starting the business. And and then yeah. part two of that is, what have you experienced or learned along the way growing it? <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's a big question, isn't it? Yeah, yep. <laughs> what have I learned? <laughs> maybe maybe um, that kind of key key thing. It's that- a key thing. Not every <laughs> single thing. Okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Not the shopping list. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, look, so, so many things. I, I guess the first thing to say, when I started Aspect Legal, I didn't necessarily fully intend to. So what happened was I came out of a large law firm and I was completely disillusioned with the law. I wasn't interested in it. I was sitting behind a desk 
you know, typing away, reviewing contracts all the time, which, you know, I get it. That's what a lawyer does, right? (laughs) And talking about risk day in, day out. Now, I'm a really positive, optimistic person. And that constant focus on risk and dealing with people always in that risk thing, you know, and, and I didn't get a lot of connection with the humanity of what I was doing. I worked for large organisations, you know, as in um, provided legal services to large organisations and, and SMEs as well. But I lost connection to what I was doing and why there was, you know, what was important about the law. And I think at heart, I'm quite an entrepreneur. So I need to be building something and I need to be doing something that is creating something different. And I couldn't create change within a large legal firm. Notwithstanding, I had a beautiful view, a fabulous office, you know, a great secretary, all of those things that they talk about, you know, with the with the golden handcuffs or what are they? There was this great book, Hell Hath Harbour Views. I thought that, I always thought that was a great title for a book, Hell Hath Harbour Views. And um, it's true because there is sort of like a mini hell for people like me who don't fit in a box, you know, who don't, who want to do something different, who want to make a change when you're in a larger environment that's very conservative, right? So that didn't work for me. And I left and, and Brett, I was seeing Brett at the time, but we weren't married at that point. And he just thought I was absolutely nuts to be walking away. Just with without a plan, it appeared to him, just walking away. But I'm the kind of person, like I'm either in it 100% or I'm out. You know what I mean? So I was like, well, I can't fake it. I haven't got motivation here. So I can't do it. If I don't believe in it, I just can't do it. So I walked and I said, I'm just going to start my own firm. And it's, and, but I, I'm, I had another business on the side at the time. And I was like, I'm just going to do that business, but I'll just keep the, the law on the side. So I'll just set up this little firm on the side. Well, there were these whole heap of clients who walked with me. And I was like, oh, of course I can't turn my back on them. And, you, you know, so thus was born these little beginnings. And, and so the legal firm aspect legal was at that time just something that I did on the side while I did wow. the real stuff that I wanted to do, which was the entrepreneurial side and the growing a business, right? But over time, I realized that I actually really loved the law again when I was working for people that I believed in, where I was helping them achieve goals that I cared about, where I felt that I was doing things that they cared about, you know, where there was depth and meaning in what I was doing. And, um, and for me, I realized that meant that I was, I needed to do work, legal work in the SME world, because that's where my connection is, because I, that's where there's more emotion and depth for me. And I used to be, you know, years and years back, more of a specialist procurement lawyer, right, which was all about, you know, working for large organizations and dealing with procurement contracts. And, you know, it got to the point where I thought if I saw another one of those sort of 100-page contract, supply contracts, I would stick a needle in my eye. <laughs> but then, and I still do, you know, we still have clients who would do a bit of that work with. And I've tried to innovate that area as well. But we mostly we have clients in the SME space and we become partners to their business. And that's how, that's sort of what I've learned along the way. I think one of the things is, do what you're passionate about, but it's also important that you understand 
what you know how to do that makes money. Do you know what I mean? So there's there's an economic plus a passion, I think. And you, you need to understand, number one, what your values are. And I, I think when I defined the core values of Aspect Legal, I defined them many times along the way. When I got them back to the real three, rather than, you know, this list of 10 I started with or whatever, when I got to the real core values of Aspect Legal and I matched that up, with what I know how to do from an economic perspective. That's when I was able to create what I feel is a bit of magic for me and able to deliver real value. So I think they're my learnings along the way. The the importance of knowing what your values are, the importance of making sure you have a really good team around you, because I really like to delegate rather than do, (laughs) which is probably because I'm lazy at heart or something. I don't know. But so having a great team around you who have that skill set, not being scared of people knowing a lot more than you. I try really hard to make sure I have lots of people around me who are really strong specialists so that we can provide really good quality work. Yeah. So I I think team values and being true to yourself and, and stopping constantly to ask, you know, what is it that drives me? What is it that drives the people around me? What is it that drives our clients and making that whole together? You know, um, I, I think that's the, that's the magic place for a business. Good. And, and so you, you've grown from you, you yourself at the start? Just me, just the, me, little old me. Yeah, that's right. 18 people in total now? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've got 18 and we're hiring three more right now. So Ooh. maybe even four. Yeah. So we're expanding. We've hired six people in the last six weeks. We're just expanding very rapidly at the moment. Oh, good. Um, And and how do you go managing a remote team? You mentioned some people in in Victoria, some in Philippines. Yeah. So we've got lawyers all around Australia now. We've got offices now in Queensland, Victoria and New South Wales. We've got clients all over Australia and offshore. We have half of our team based in the Philippines. So, yeah, I've had offshore-based admin staff for maybe eight years, so way back even before it became sort of the, the, a, a common thing to do. So I've had a lot of experience of working out how to make this work. And one of the key things is to treat every single person on the team, no matter where they're based, as part of the team. Yeah. Because I think one of the issues that people suffer, you know, I speak to business owners a lot and I quite often hear, oh, offshoring doesn't work, remote working doesn't work because, you know, whatever. But I, I think when I hear and I dig into that, I say, oh, okay, that's interesting. Why? You know, tell me your experience. And usually it will be because, because they've not approached it with this concept that everyone needs to be dealt with exactly the same and brought in to the team. You know, you need team meetings together. You need team social events together. You need everyone to understand each other. We do disc profiling of everyone in the team and I look at it I make sure everyone's managers look at the disc profiling. We spread it around, you know, so everyone understands, you know, what makes the other people tick in the team. So I think, that's one component. Um, and for us right now, obviously, because we're in lockdown, everyone's sort of remote. 
now, but we, through COVID, it became really apparent that I'd been playing with remote, but in fact, remote is the way of the future for our business. I know lots of businesses still see a benefit in having office space. And I don't think it suits all staff because some staff, you, you know, some people maybe they're young and they don't have a family and they want they want that socialization of the office. But for many people, remote working is such an opportunity to spend more time with family. And if that's what I want for myself, I want that also for my team. Yeah. And I've got to say, I'm I'm still a bit unsure on what what Inspire looks like. Um after all this, because we, we um, yeah, again, Queensland's got all flightly with uh, <laughs> lockdowns and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, we, we have a hugely social aspect uh, as part of our culture in, in, in the Brisbane office anyway. And, um, and, and I, I feel like um, everyone would miss each other. So I, I feel at the moment it may look like a hybrid model for us in the future, but I, I just can't get my brain around completely uh, virtual. Well, lots of people do that hybrid model and we started in that hybrid model as we, I mean, obviously we had a team in the Philippines, so it was sort of hybrid, you know, from their perspective and I'd go over and see them and it was fabulous. It is fabulous having that connection, but also it suited everyone to, it suited them, you know, obviously they're not here in Australia and it suited them to work from home. So they all work from home. They don't work in a central office in the Philippines. They all are home workers. And so here in Australia, I started hiring lawyers who weren't in Sydney and who wanted to work from home. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, and I think that was, that's, that was back in that time. That was, that was the first leap for legal firms because most legal firms didn't trust staff to work at yeah. home. Like it was a trust issue, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it's just because, uh, number one, they didn't understand how they themselves could work from home. And number two, they didn't have the right systems in place, right? But now, and so we were hybrid for a while, but then suddenly no one wanted to come into the office again. And I have this 150 square metre head office with no one in it for the last eight months, Ben. Outrageous. It's like I'm just tearing up money and throwing it away. And so I've actually just made the call to get rid of the office. So we've got a month left and then we're going without a main headquarter where we come together, but just these little offices in each place where we'll come together post end of lockdown, of course, <laughs> when the borders open. Yeah, yep. That's, um, that is fascinating. And, and I think a lot of our listeners are actually service-based businesses, whether it's um, professional services or, or trades in a way are, are, are services. And I think that's, um, that's an incredible food for thought. Yeah, but you need you need to like you need to be thoughtful in how you do it. So we did it very slowly, um, and we did it based on the desire. So no one was forced into working from home. No, it was it was driven absolutely by what everyone wanted to do, um, and for their own family, being close to home, kids drop off, pick up is much easier when you work from home. Or it was for for our legal team here in Australia. But we, we implemented things like we have a huddle and we do that via Zoom. We use Slack, which is like an instant messaging tool, but in channels for anyone who doesn't know. And so we have a lot of constant contact and I'm on Zoom all day with team members or whatever. So we see each other a lot. But, I, you know, I've had one of my lawyers who really struggled with it and 
and she's younger and doesn't have a family and 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 she missed the elements of being in an office. So it doesn't work for everyone, but it really it works for the majority of our team. And now we hire on that basis because that's who we've become. Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's a great uh, sort of get get that sort of understanding from the start. And and so um, I'm sure. I mean, one of my first questions that pops up is, how do you? Um, and again, we've got people who work virtually, so I'm, I'm not not saying that there's an instant distrust from the start. But do you, do you charge by the hour, or do you do fixed pricing? How does how does it that? It depends. Work? We've got a bit of both. We've got a yeah. bit of hourly rates, and we've got a bit of fixed pricing. Um, and we so we measure, we manage performance by results. Yep. So um, you, you know, and and that's a little bit harder for that in relation to the admin team. So that's a different discussion um, that it's easier for our lawyers who are used to time, you, you know, recording time. And we do record time also for, for the admin and marketing team, but that's, okay. you, you know, a, a different sort of discussion. But for in terms of managing performance here uh, for the legal team, it's about results, you know, are you getting the work done? Um, are you hitting targets? Like that's ultimately there. And and we also have MPS scores. So we each of our, our team members are always measured on this sort of balanced scorecard approach of how they're dealing with the works that's before them, financial targets, but also the client satisfaction because that is absolutely critical to us absolutely critical and we watch it like a hawk yeah okay and how um if you're able to share the technology or the the process you use to to get that how do you do that yeah so we think don't quote me on this because i i I don't do the process behind it but i think we're using something called promoter.io at the moment we've used a few different things this is the one um we like technology in the business that's simple to use and easy for to get responses from our clients. And we do net promoter scores for our clients, but also for our team. So we manage, um, you know, the, the satisfaction of our team members as well. So we do both of those, but we, um, we, we have a system in promoter where our clients will be MPSed. So an MPS will be sent and they're, they're told about this in the onboarding. Uh, because it's so important for us to keep a really strong pulse on how happy our clients are with our services. And so we tell them right in the beginning, and then we MPS them after six weeks of being with us. Then we MPS them every six months after that. Um, So it's this sort of constant feedback um, in relation to the the company itself and the individual solicitors that they're dealing with. Uh, Thank you for that share. Um, Yeah, and I know we we haven't really got to... The detail of what you do yet, but I think um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, love talking about business growth and, and, that sort of thing. and again, we, the the majority of our audience is that service based business. So yeah, we've got lots to learn from you. So um, cool. Well, um, it's just all from trial and error over time. You know, like I try a lot of things. I really go with that. I'm just I'm not even going to be able to remember it now. But you know, Michael Jordan said something like. I can't even remember it. I'm going to embarrass myself by trying, but I'll try and repeat it. It's it's some amazing quote where he sort of talks about all of these misses he's had, but then, you know, obviously he's the world's greatest basketball player. And, you know, I, I guess the thing is you don't, his whole point is, and it's like the whole 
Thomas Edison creating the light bulb, you, you have to fail, you know, a hundred times to get one in the ring, you know, and you have to, from Michael Jordan's perspective, practice and practice and get things wrong in order to have gotten so many things right. And I think that's what I bring to my approach to business, which is just keep failing forward and you'll hit on the right things ultimately. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. And and I had a question earlier, but I think it's relevant now that we understand a bit of your your business model. How many how many hours on average do you work a week at the moment? You're homeschooling and, and that sort of thing, but um, roughly just just so we can get a bit of an idea. Yeah, it's a really good question. I don't know. That'd be I don't know. Maybe I I try. Actually, I have no idea. That's a really good question. I do you know what I get up really early. But at the moment, I'm writing a book. So is that working or not? I don't know if that's working. I love it. It's a passion project. Is it working? I don't know. But, I, you know, I quite often start work at 3.30 or 4 or 4.30 in the morning and pump out as much as I can of stuff. At the moment, it's a book, but it might be, you know, something else that I have in mind that I want to create for the business or move forward for the business or whatever. So I don't call that working. Some people might, don't know. My family call it me working, but I don't know. I'm just, you know, I, I'm doing something that I love. And then, you know, these days, post-COVID, when I'm not in lockdown, I try to finish at 2.30 every day and pick up the kids. And so it's not, I don't think it's very long hours by most people's. And, you, you know, I generally don't work on weekends other than maybe at 4.30 in the morning until the family get up. But um but um, and when I'm away on holidays, I'm just completely switched off and just 100% in family time. So I don't know. I, I don't think I work that hard. Some people might think I do, but it's hard to know when it's your passion project, right? Yeah, yeah. No. So I think that, that loops back to us, as, what you said at the start about us as entrepreneurs um, having that tendency to just like dive into work. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Well, it's funny. It's, it's really funny you say that because we, we just came up to school holidays. We've just finished them now, but we had school holidays and we, we were meant to be going somewhere, obviously in lockdown, we couldn't go anywhere. And so I was just like, oh, well, I just worked all the way through because why would I not work through if we can't go anywhere for holidays? And then I'm like, what are we going to do with the kids? Oh, oh, I don't know. Well, I don't know. They can play in the backyard. I don't know. I will think of something. And I was speaking to a friend and she said, what are you just take some time off with the kids over the holidays, even though you're not going in. I'm like, really? Why would I? Oh, that's a really good idea. I guess I could. I could. You're right. I could. And I just had the best holidays. And it's just because as entrepreneurs, sometimes we forget mm. that, mm-hmm. you know, like my mind defaults to, well, if I have a spare second, I'm going to work because I want to, you know, but you just forget and, and, you know, I had this really beautiful time with the family, even though we couldn't really go very far, but that was fine. We had some fabulous time together. And, you know, I took most of the school holidays off and that was just amazing. But it's, it's this problem with us as entrepreneurs, you know, this fabulousness that we love what we do, but then we can be so blinkered as well. You know, it's so, it's easy. I don't know. Do you have this or is oh, this just absolutely. me? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Absolutely. It's, you just get into it and you you forget, you know, that there's other stuff going on around you. <laughs> and the, the amount of times I've heard book a holiday from a holiday and, yeah. and I've done that sometimes. Uh, and then sometimes it, it just slips, like, you know, you try to rush home, get home, unpack, yeah. 
and yeah. then you don't end up doing it. That's yeah. way more than. Uh, well I have to say I'm a menace for holidays I love holidays so um, I'm a very book the next two holidays from your current holiday kind of person (laughs) exponentially more holidays that's right then I'm in my happy place that's it Uh, very very good all righty well um let's have a chat through your your methodology, your formula so uh, you you mentioned the fortify acquire and exit formula yeah Um, Tell us a bit about that and why you believe it's so powerful for um, fast growth businesses. Yeah, yeah. Well, that um, formula has developed over a period of time. So so I'll start with the concept of, well, how about we start with acquire? Because sometimes it's at the beginning, but sometimes it's in the middle. So acquire is about the idea that, that you, you know, you might acquire a business to start it rather than a startup because startups are hard. So mm. I had a startup sort of, I mean, I had um, I had a client base already that came to me, but then, you know, I was focused on, I, I had the kids in that time and I was really focused on, on the kids at that point. And so I wasn't really growing the business until suddenly, you know, I started thinking business again. There was a little bit of time of brain fog, but still it takes, notwithstanding the fact that it was the, you know, the start of the business was interrupted, not interrupted, but you, you know, there were kids in that period that sort of mm. took some of my time and their attention away. Starting a business is hard work. It's hard yards. And you're feeling your way through trying to make sure that you've got a model that works. You're building a team. You're building yourself at the same time that you're trying to build the infrastructure and the systems, it's hard work. And acquiring a business just takes so many years off that startup phase. So number one, I love acquisitions as, a, as opposed to startup. Yep. Um, although sometimes there's a great reason for startup. I'm not saying it's always the case, but I'm just saying in many instances, business owners forget to think about that lead time when they're evaluating the best way to start a business. So acquisition, I just love that. But then acquisition, once you've got a growing business, can be one of the fastest ways to grow that business exponentially. So adding a business onto another business is just something I am just super passionate about. I just think it's like that ultimate secret source that SMEs often just don't even realize exists, you know? And so then so whether you acquire to start a business or you acquire to grow a business, the next thing that you need to do is to fortify that asset. You need to build the armor around that asset so that you're not blowing up the asset that you've just either built or bought. Mm. So, and that's the whole concept of fortify. It's about building that legal infrastructure, building the legal armor to ensure that your business can weather the storms of growth. Um, and then the last phase is Actually, exit. Yeah. Just on the fortify, could you give yeah. us maybe um, a handful of um, examples of documents yeah. or key things that you might want to consider? Yeah, absolutely. So so generally the concept of fortify goes through around about, I can't remember, eight to 10 key areas of the business. And, and the idea is in each of these areas, there's generally areas of exposure and opportunity for a business. So we start with the client. So how is the client relationship being set up? And usually the client relationship set up isn't great because quite often what happens, businesses beg, borrow and steal right in the beginning. They're all of their documentation, the structure of the business, whatever, every the way that they're doing everything in relation to their business. And as they grow, they're still using this big borrow stolen sort of you know infrastructure, right? 
which yep. just doesn't withstand growth. So usually their client agreements just aren't protecting them the way they should and not setting out the expectations of the relationship together uh, in, in the right way. Employment agreements and employment documentation. So the whole way you set up your employment backbone of the business from a legal perspective, the structure of a business. And, you, you know, of course, I'm preaching to the converted here, Ben. <laughs> you are. The amount of people have asked me, oh, do you have a template for an employment agreement? I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, exactly. And, and you know, from an employment perspective, this is one of these areas that it can hold a massive amount of risk. Like look at just hospitality over the last five years or so. There were all of these practices in hospitality and now there's been some massive scalps that have been taken out in, um, in issues in relation to underpayment and all of those issues triggered by awards. So, so that whole employment landscape is really nuanced and very dangerous for businesses. If they don't understand, they haven't got the right help. You know, your supplier agreements and, you know, the, your contracts, your leases, usually leases aren't optimised and people really don't even understand the exposure if their business is connected to certain premises or geographic location or whatever. Intellectual property, brand protection, you know, quite often people just don't even understand the importance of protecting your brand and how easy it is to do, but how critical it is if you're even considering growth in the future. So I guess there are just a few examples. I could go on, but let me not. Yeah, <laughs> take yeah, yeah. I'm just popping down, um, reminded me to check in on something there. <laughs> Good, perfect. Uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to get that right now. Um, and actually, this all ties into exit. So we do a lot of work in exit as well. So acquire, fortify, exit, or fortify, acquire, exit, whatever order you want to see it in. So exit is ultimately where you're where you're taking some money off the table. And it may not be selling the whole business. There might be you, you know ways to approach succession planning in the business where that actually can be fabulous, where you find ways that you can continue holding part of the the equity in the business while other people are running it. And you're, you, you know, you have this sort of ongoing stream of revenue, but sometimes that doesn't work for businesses. So exit is full exit, right? But understanding what is valuable at exit, understanding the issue that businesses have at exit, understanding what buyers are looking for in a business at exit helps us to provide this incredibly holistic view of businesses in that acquisition and fortify stage. So that's why I see it all as this sort of holistic approach. And, and in fact, literally in about one week, we're about to launch a new business called Aspect SME Insurance. Uh, edit note, do you have an insurance business? Is this competitive in any way? Because I won't talk about it if it is. Uh, go for it. No, um, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's not personal insurance, by the way. It's only business insurance. All good. You sure? Yeah, far okay. away. Um, and so we've just opened, uh, well, just about in two weeks to launch um, a new uh, brand under the Aspect group of companies, Aspect SME Insurance, mm -hmm. which helps to provide the rest of that that circle in relation to risk protection, because from the legal perspective, we look at risk protection as building the legal infrastructure. So your contracts, your documents, your, your systems and processes to help reduce or minimise the likelihood of issues happening. But insurance is such an important component of that 
um, that hole for businesses to ensure that they have, you know, that full risk protection structure in place because you can't get rid of all risk. No matter what you do from a legal perspective, you can minimise it, but you can't eliminate it. And that's where insurance comes in to provide the other, you know, part of that whole, I guess. Someone I've even had some some people suggest uh, why do we need asset protection when we've got uh, insurance? That, ex- the point is none <laughs> of it can operate on its own, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's the it's the imperative to have it all operating together. And that's, you know, the other reason why we as um, professional service providers to our clients need to be also working together. And I just think, you know, that's brilliant where, you you know, we, we have clients that we share together. And I think the beauty that I can pick up the phone and, and give you a call, as I've done in the past, and said, let's get together and have a chat about this plan. And that's just, you, you know, that for a client, that's valuable that you're, you know, having your advisors, whoever they are, have that, have a relationship that they will work together rather than in silos. You know, I, I think that's really important. Yeah, yep, uh, that's it. Uh, very good. Um, well, thank you for running us through that. And, and I guess um, from my perspective, we, we've never got enough time. I, I, we've done <laughs> webinars. Um, I'm wonder. sorry, I've probably just talked too much. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not at all. Um, that's the whole point. <laughs> Good point. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure I'll get you back on to talk about maybe some sort of specialist topics that we can go into because, yeah, and, and again, every webinar I've done, I've been writing notes myself. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Well, look, the one, just the one thing that I wanted to add in because this is something that you and I, in fact, it was the way that we were introduced. You know, I just want to also talk about the importance of contribution yeah. um, in a business and the importance of thinking outside of your own little bubble as well. Because I think the role of business is, you know, is to help provide the freedoms that you as an entrepreneur want from your own life perspective, but also about what you can provide to others. And um, and we're both part of, you know, an incredible organisation. Oh, that's right. You know, they didn't introduce us. You introduced me to them. Now I recall it all. Um, and then two weeks later, we were in Singapore. That's right. That's right. That's right. I was so enthralled. I was like, that's it. I'm going. I'm coming to Singapore. Um, but B1G1, just, just an amazing organization. And it's given me so much more depth for the business as well. So, you know, I just wanted to call out that because obviously we have that in common and I now recall that you are actually the introducer for me. So, so a big thank you for that and a call out to B1G1, I guess, for, for your listeners. Yeah. And I'll pop that in the, um, in the good old show notes so uh, people can get the info on that, but, um, uh, and th- thanks again. As I said, like we'll, we'll get you on again. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I might sort of ask the the audience to give feedback on what parts of law they want to go into a bit more in detail. But um, I'm, selfishly, I've got a handful of topics. I'd-, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to talk about them all. <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. Well, um, and then the last one is well, I, I, sort of last thing, just for people to find more info on you. We will have a couple of links to your Aspect Legal's website. Uh, even the Talking Law podcast, I think, might be a bit relevant for. Um... Yeah, so we've got two podcasts. One is Talking Law. Um, we've got, I think, 124 episodes at the moment, and the Deal Room podcast. So Talking Law is 
about smart legal tips for business. And the the Deal Room podcast is a podcast where I talk all about anything to do with acquisitions and exits of yep. businesses. So we're almost up to 200 episodes, I think, for, for that now. So um, we've got quite, quite a bit of content on there. So anything you might think that you want to know more about, we, we definitely cover there. But we've also got um, a free call booking engine on our website. So if you go to aspectlegal.com.au and just click on book a call, I think it's a book a call link. It's a green link there on the website. You'll be able to book a discussion in with our legal eagles at Aspect Legal and I highly recommend that um, businesses consider a legal health check. We have a legal health check and then we've also got an insurance health check coming up, of course, for your business insurance needs. So, but I, I, I think it's just super important for businesses to make sure they understand where their business sits in terms of that legal landscape, you know, where the opportunities are, but where the, where the risk might be sitting that they might have some blind spots. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, we'll, we'll include that info um, in, the, in the notes. And uh, again, I look forward to having you on again. Thanks so much, Joe. Brilliant, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. I've had an absolutely fabulous time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with today's guests, you can find their contact information in the show notes in the podcast section of our website at inspire.business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the Young Family Small Business Podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Also, do join our Facebook community. You can find that by going to youngfamilysmallbusiness.com. And if you're interested in speaking with an Inspire accountant, head to inspire.business forward slash chat, where you can book a free 20-minute strategy call. And lastly, to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on my Instagram, uh, which is the at symbol Ben Walker, C-A, or one word, or at Inspire underscore accountants. Thanks again, and see you next time.